Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome back. And it's appropriate also for me to say Happy New Year to you. It is Monday, January the 2nd, 2023. 2023, my goodness. Um, who would have thought time would fly so quickly? I guess everybody would have thought about that, but nevertheless, it is so good to be with y'all this morning. I hope that everybody did have a wonderful Merry Christmas, that you are having a happy new year, and um, that you're excited to be in a new year with new opportunities to serve the Lord, new opportunities to do what it is God wants you to do, and, and so forth. So, nevertheless, thank you so much for being here with me. I'm glad to be back. It was a good break. Also, let me just say thank you so much to, to those of you who were praying for my dad. Um, some of y'all know this. I ended up going down for Christmas on uh, Christmas Day, actually. My dad had a heart catheterization scheduled for Tuesday. They went in. It ends up that they could not do stents, um, and he ended up having emergency double bypass surgery on Friday. And so thankfully, he didn't have any sort of heart damage or anything like that. The Lord preserved him. He's already out of ICU. He may be coming home tomorrow sometime. I tell you, um, we have so many things to be thankful for in a very practical sense. But modern medical technology, um, I think I've said this on here before, but y'all, I've, I've been doing vocational ministry for 20 years now. And to see the advancement in technology, oh, I mean, it's just... It is remarkable how far doctors and uh, care providers have come in things like this. So he's doing incredibly well, but thank you so much for your prayers. Also, let me go ahead and apologize for yesterday. I don't know what happened with, with our technology. I don't know what happened with a lot of things yesterday. Um, I was preaching on James chapter 4 and going into the new year, and one of the points that James makes there, and and I should say God, because God is breathing his word out through James. But he talks about the fact that we need to remember two things. Um, we need to remember that life is short, and we need to remember that none of us knows what the future holds. Right? He says, well, you don't even know what tomorrow will bring. And um, <laughs> as an illustration of that, I was talking about the way things could go. But I didn't even need illustrations because the furnace didn't come on yesterday. So it was blazing hot in the sanctuary. Um, all during the service, uh, the, the screen in the back, the front worked fine, but my monitor that I was looking at for music and things kept going in and out. The bells started going off in the middle of the worship service. That's never happened before. I have no clue why that would even happen because it wasn't even on the hour. Um, and again, so many things happened. Facebook, I have no idea what happened with that. It just wouldn't work. <laughs> and so again, life is short and we don't know what the future holds. So we need to trust in God. Anyway, if you tried to find us yesterday, we just, there was no way to be on. I don't know why. I think I fixed it. Hopefully this coming Sunday, we will be back. But nevertheless, thank you for your patience. Now, all of that stuff being said, let's get to it. We're back in John chapter 17 in the new year, and we're going to be finished with John before you know it. Um, John chapter 17 is what we actually started with before we left. We made it to the first five verses, and John 17 is called, it has a name. Some people refer to it as the high priestly prayer of Jesus Christ, right, or the high priestly prayer of Christ. What he's doing here is he is stepping into his role 
as the intercessor, as the intermediary between God and man. And as I talked about, we need to be careful as we read and as we seek to understand Jesus's prayer here. There are some sections of Jesus' prayer that are very broad, okay, that they apply to all Christians everywhere across all time. There are some sections where he is specifically talking about his earthly ministry, what has happened thus far, and his disciples, okay? So keep that in mind. That doesn't mean that it isn't applicable to us. It doesn't mean that there aren't some very powerful things that we need to learn from this. It just means that we need to be careful that we read John 17 in its context, okay? Now, what we made it through last time was appropriate before leaving for Christmas break, because Jesus talked all about the glory of God, and he talked about how his great desire was to glorify God, and where we left off was in verse 5, where he says, And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. And y'all, I, I can't think of a more appropriate thing to focus on at Christmas time than the glory that Christ laid aside. Mild he lays his glory. It's, oh, oh, what is it? What's the term? Mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die. Uh, yeah, hark the herald angels sing. Fabulous, marvelous lyrics to that Christmas carol. But nevertheless, that was what our focus was on before we left. Now, where we're picking up is in a section where Jesus is going to talk about what he has been doing in his ministry. Okay, He's going to talk about his disciples and, and, and his prayer for them, but still this applies to us. So let's dig in. Uh, well, let's pray first and then we'll dig in. Our Father, please be with us now. Guide us in this time. Help us to understand Help us to appreciate what your son did. Um, sometimes we can focus on his birth. Sometimes we can focus on his death and resurrection, Christmas and Easter. And yet we can miss what he did in between. The glory, the wonder of your son and our Savior's work on this earth to complete his redemptive work for us. Help us not to miss what Jesus is saying here or the principles that apply to us now. So please guide us by your Holy Spirit, and we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so Jesus is in the midst of his prayer. We're picking up in verse 6, and this is Jesus praying. Jesus prayed, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. All right? Pause. The you that Jesus is talking about. It should be obvious just in case. Jesus is talking to God here, okay? As he prays, he's what he says, I have revealed you. He's talking to God the Father. And you'll notice who he has revealed God the Father to. This is why we say that there are some parts specific, okay, to Jesus' ministry in time and space right there. He talks about the fact that I revealed you to those who you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. What Jesus is doing here is describing the relationship that he has with his disciples, with those that have been following him. But it's important to note where those disciples came from. 
because this applies to you and me too. Jesus recognizes that though those disciples belonged to God from the beginning, they were still a part of the world. There was still a point in time and space where they had to be changed, where they had to be transformed, where they were taken out of the world and instead committed unto Christ. That's what Jesus is talking about. And you'll notice what Jesus says here. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Y'all, we need to be careful. All right, need to be careful here because Jesus is not saying that they work their way to him and that they belong to him because they did enough good things to belong to him. However, a component about following Christ is revealed here. You know, in the modern age, we focus so much on emotions, right? And we focus so much on the self that sometimes we can forget that following Jesus is not about the peaceful, easy feeling that we get. And no, the Eagles were not talking about that when they wrote their song. They weren't talking about Jesus. But nevertheless, following Jesus is not about that peaceful, easy feeling. It's not about delighting. In the, and I need to be careful here myself. I'm not saying that we shouldn't delight in belonging to the Lord and that kind of stuff. But practically speaking, following Jesus means doing the things he told you to do. Y'all remember being young and playing follow the leader, right? What do you do when you follow the leader? When you follow the leader, you do what the leader does. If you don't, you ain't following the leader. Same principle when it comes to Jesus, y'all. You can say, oh, yes, I love Jesus and I follow Jesus. But if you don't do the things that Jesus told you to do, you're not really following him. Jesus points out that the disciples were, in fact, obeying his word, obeying the word of God. And he continues with that. Not only does following Jesus mean obeying God's word, it also means growing in your understanding of God's word. Hence, verse 7 now they know everything that you have given me comes from you. For I gave them what? The words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. You know, do you see the link here between the word of God and following Jesus and doing the works of God? Which one is more important? Is it more important to believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is God the Son? Is it more important to follow what his word says? Is it more important to accept what his word says? Well, the answer is yes, <laughs> because these are the components, again, of what it means to follow Jesus. Talk is cheap, y'all. Anybody can say, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I follow those teachings. I can say all day long to you, oh, yes, I follow the principles of veganism. But y'all know that I'm not a vegan, okay? <laughs> it's, it, it, you can say what you want to say, but what you do betrays who you are. That's a concept that we ought to all wrestle with because none of us are perfect, right? That's why it's so important to belong to Jesus. Why? Verse 9, I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. You know, there are so many important components of belonging to Jesus. 
Our eternal security? Absolutely. The benefit we receive of the Holy Spirit being our guide and our counselor and all of these things right now? Yes. The benefit and the joy of being linked to other believers? All these things are wonderful. But y'all, among the chief benefits of following Christ is him doing for us now what he did for his disciples in verse 9. Jesus talks about praying for them, interceding for them. In the book of Romans chapter 8, Paul is having this give and take discussion with himself and with his reader. He presents a, an idea and then he interacts with this idea. And Paul asks the question, who can come against us? In other words, who has any claim against the followers of Christ? Who can stand up and say, aha, and then, G and then Paul says, the only one that can lay a claim against us is Jesus, because he's the righteous one. And then he went on to say, but Jesus doesn't condemn us. In fact, he's at God's right hand interceding on our behalf. What Jesus talks about doing here in John 17, 9 for his disciples, I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me for their years. While he's talking about his disciples right there in time and space, this principle applies to us because he's doing the same thing for you and me. If you ever wonder what Jesus is doing, right? You know, sometimes people ask the question, well, what is God doing right now? If you are ever wondering about that, uh, y'all, look no further than Romans chapter 8, and I'm just going to read it right here. Um, Romans 8, 34. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. And then Paul asks, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And then he goes through and he talks about all the different things. And then he concludes, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. What is Jesus doing right now? He's doing the same thing he was then in John 17, 9. He is at God's right hand. And if you're trusting in him alone, he is praying for you personally because he loves you that much. He serves as the mediator, the go-between, between us and God, right? And there is no other mediator, y'all. Don't listen to what the world says, you know, about you interceding for yourself, all that kind of stuff, how, how you're the one that goes between you and God. Don't listen to that garbage. Don't listen, and, and I'm not trying to be ugly here, but y'all, it baffles me how many times I see or hear people saying things about the Pope that they should never say. Uh, Pope Benedict the uh, Sixteenth just died, right? He's lying in state at the Vatican. A few things. When he was Joseph Ratzinger, he wrote a commentary on what the Catholic Church did in 1962 to 1965 or 67 at the Second Vatican Council. And he was very clear that he thinks that, that we are so far gone as Protestants that we won't make it into heaven for billions of years. Okay, so that's number one. But number two, He's the Pope, y'all. The Pope calls himself the Vicar of Christ. Vicar, Vicarium, for the substitute for Christ. The Pope views himself as the mediator, as the intercessor between God and us. Well, I'm sorry, but what about Romans 8, 34? Jesus is the one at God's right hand. 
interceding for us. Not any pope, not any human. Read the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews talks about Judaism and the idea of a high priest, and it talks about the fact that we don't have some, some human who's a sinner just like us. Now, the Catholics don't really believe that, right? They believe that the pope reaches infallibility, which is absolute lies. It goes against everything the Bible teaches. We don't need some man, and I'm a pastor. You don't need a priest, you don't need somebody to stand between you and God. From this world, you need Jesus because he's our only intercessor. That's what he's doing right now. That's what he was doing then in John 17, 9. And he continues in verse 10 by saying, all I have is yours and all you have is mine. All glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. You know, this is the concept that we're gonna pick up with tomorrow, okay? This idea of being protected in the name of God. But the principle at work here is what we need to really focus on. Jesus, yet again, y'all, the book of John, if you go to the very end and we'll get there, John says, I've written these things so that you might believe. That's why we have the book of John. But yet again, Jesus is revealing his true nature. Jesus is telling us exactly who he is, that he is God the Son, that everything he has belongs to God and everything God the Father has belongs to him. He's talking about this perfect unity that he has, and he's going back to the Father, but he doesn't leave his people alone. We've already read about the promise of the Holy Spirit. This morning, I've read about what Jesus is doing, and y'all, our response to this should be one of gratitude. It should be one of worship, but y'all, it should also be one of courage. Realize that you are not alone. As we go into this new year, I know that everybody's facing different things, different challenges, different, different issues. And, and the, the future, really, we don't know it. It can be uncomfortable to dwell on. But y'all, we don't go into it alone. Jesus is still doing now what he was doing some 2,000 years ago. And he's doing it because he loves you. Our calling is to have courage and to love him. That's it. Trust him. That's it. There is no secret path, right? There is no name it and claim it verse. Um, Y'all, the paradigm of Christianity, the way that Christianity works is the more you trust Jesus, the more you see that he's trustworthy. And then the more you grow in your faith as you face challenges and see that he is faithful. I can't think of a better way to describe it than that great hymn, Trust and Obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. That's it. But as we trust, remember who you're trusting in. Remember why you're obeying, not to just obey, but because he's God the Son. He has given us what he's given us out of love. And we trust because he is always faithful. Let's pray. 
Our Father, we thank you so much for this time, and uh, I praise you for the technology to do this. I thank you for the new year that we have, and I pray that you would bless us in it. Thank you so much for your love that's so vast and wild and free that we can't even fully comprehend it, but we can enjoy it. And help us to do that as we trust in you, as we obey your word. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I'd like to thank you all for being a part of this time. Lord willing, we will be back tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. I see Alice. Good morning. Thank you so much. And Linda, thank you. And Happy New Year to you as well, Roberta. And then there's Becky. Thank you so much. And there's my friend Wayne. Yes, sir. Good morning. And then there's Rose. Good morning and a Happy New Year to you. And thank you so much, Linda. I really appreciate him. Uh, appreciate you. And um, yes, four bypasses. My goodness. Linda, um, I've known Linda, well, she's known me for almost my entire life. Our good friends from Fulton. What a blessing you all are. I hope that y'all are doing well. Now, again, thank you all for being a part of this time. Lord willing, we'll see you tomorrow morning at 7. Until then, have a fantastic Monday.